0: Welcome to the Framework YQL show. We are your hosts, Russ and Robin Stewart. In this podcast, we are going to share various health, fitness, and nutrition tips and strategies that we hope can help you feel good and move better. So this week's guest is Corey Gillespie. Um, When Robin and I put this podcast together, he was the first person that I was like, yeah, we gotta have this guy on. Um, So without further ado, welcome, Court. So who is Corey Gillespie? Tell me about yourself.
1: Oh, geez. Uh, I guess if we're looking at bio, so I was born in Terrace, BC. Uh, Lethbridge is stop number 14 for places that I've lived. we moved moved quite a bit a uh, father of three. We got three boys, 13, five and, uh, and three. And uh, I am a married to Ashley and my passion is weightlifting and all things that are attached to weightlifting.
0: You've moved 14 times.
1: 14 times. yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, so currently you are the um, I guess the director of sports performance over at LCI.
1: Uh, Occupation-wise, yeah, I'm a high school teacher. Uh, I teach and run a program called Fitness and Performance. It used to be formally known as Sports Performance, but I found that the tagline of Sports Performance was a little bit uh, elitist, and I was losing a lot of youth in terms of training because they were being turned off by the term sport, and they weren't necessarily doing any sports, but yet there was a lot of young individuals who were interested in physical activity but there, there was no sport in their life. So uh, with the change of that program from sports performance name to fitness and performance, uh, I accessed a much broader group of students that were at my school, and uh, the program started to grow quite a bit from there.
0: So what kind of, like high school, what kind of age range are you working with typically?
1: So I work with uh, grade nine through grade twelve, so age range is thirteen to eighteen slash nineteen if they're if they're back for an additional year.
0: That's crazy. Um, yeah, I've seen your space over there. So how many kids, like how many kids at a time do you typically have in your facility that you're working with?
1: So depending on the age group of class, the year and so on, uh, usually my grade nine groups run at about 28 to 30 kids a class. Uh, and then my high school groups usually run around 26 to 28.
0: That's unreal. Um, so coaching a class of 20 in our facility is like old hat and Easy.
1: You know, coaching a class of 20 in here is pretty sweet because I've got almost double the amount of space and uh, and it just works a little bit easier that way. Plus, dealing with adults has its own challenges, but um, <laughs> the the youth who are there, not necessarily by choice. Some of them uh, come with their their own individual challenges, especially when you get a group of, say, 26, 27 of men in, in a space.
0: Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I mentioned before is like, yeah, you were one of the first people that I wanted to have on the show and just have a conversation with. And a lot of that um, goes back to like your past and like your history in lifting and your own performance. So um, as I understand it, you kind of have a little bit of a background in powerlifting. Like when did you, what was that journey like? When did that start?
1: So, I guess if we, if we go back to the start of things, uh, 18 years old, moved to Calgary to go to university college, uh, had always been active, a little bit lost for a bit in the move, and started to get out of shape, just like most people freshly at college university did, and uh, I had some roommates that were that were going to the gym and enjoyed going to the gym, and, and I figured I'd, I'd give it a shot, it was always something that had interested me in I'd never really had the opportunity to, or, or knew anybody who knew enough to go with. And so when that opportunity was there, I, I took it. And pretty much day one, when I walked into a gym, it was one of those light bulb type moments where everything just clicked. Like from that first weight I lifted, it was one of those, like you, you found that thing that, that everybody needs to find in their life, that thing that has passion to it, that it's just like, this is where I belong. Um, And in that I was very fortunate because the individuals who I was training with um, were NCAA track scholarship athletes uh, high level volleyball performance athletes and it allowed me to start on the right foot rather than on the foot of I'm going to do some chest and biceps today and tomorrow I'm going to do some chest and biceps so my inception into lifting was on fully programmed based uh, training programs and I would learn from people who already had background and experience within lifting, And I guess where where that takes me is when I made the move to Lethbridge, um, I met an individual who was already involved in Strongman. And he, he came up during the one day in the gym and said, Hey, you're you're pretty strong, you should come and give this thing a try. So up until then, I mean I'd I'd followed good programs and I'd I'd sort of done a variety of programs. Um, But that was sort of the first time that I I ventured into a competitive field within training and and lifting. Uh, So with that, I I ventured into Strongman, I spent five years competing in Strongman, um, making national level rankings and then moving into international level competition. And then that was, it it was a boatload of fun. but. I took a year away for no other purpose than to just get stronger. So physical stature wise, those people who know me, I'm not a really large human. Um, I'm not designed to be a large human and I chose a sport to fall in love with that was designed for giant large humans. So I I took a year away to try to get a little bit stronger and that's where where powerlifting came in. Uh, If I could bring my base strength up then I, I felt that would make me a lot more successful in the transition back into strongman. And uh, so during that time, I won a national title, qualified to go to Worlds in Powerlifting. uh, And then things started to fall apart. (laughs) I had had some accidents and some injuries and ended up having a a whole bunch of surgeries where they had to kind of try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And uh, and through that, that's sort of how I ended up in CrossFit. Um, And some of those surgeries were significant enough that they weren't sure how much functional movement I would regain and CrossFit was very very new at that time but the literature that was out there was mainly based in soldiers coming back from being in war and having been blown up or shot and told that they wouldn't walk again or wouldn't use their arms again and through following just the functionality and and sort of the general premise of CrossFit they were able to regain some of that functional movement again and so um, for me I figured, wow, what a great avenue to take in terms of getting back to doing the other things that I wanted to do. But little did I know that it would also be something that I'd fall in love with and, and stick with for a long period of time.
0: That's that's quite the journey. Um, geez, okay, so I want to – we're going to get back to the CrossFit stuff, but I want to go back to I, – I thought you did uh, – powerlifting first before strongman but you started off in strongman first
1: started off in strongman yeah trial by fire Um, so if we if we rewind uh, to that earlier statement there so the fellow i ran ran into at the gym his name was jeff dolan so uh, jeff was kind of lethbridge's original strongman and uh on three days notice i went and did my first strongman show and in doing that strongman show they had two categories which wasn't really all that normal at that point in time so they had an under 235 category and then a 235 to whatever you weigh um, so i entered the under 235 category uh, on three days notice i won that show uh... and then at that show the promoter for the national qualifier was there and said hey in three weeks can you come out to the national qualifier so um, so i went to the national qualifier which is Kind of a big boy show because there's there is no weight categories at that point in time. Strongman, there just was strongman.
0: You weigh what you weigh, you 350 weigh you weigh. pounds, and you're competing all in the same.
1: Yeah, so I went to my first national qualifier at uh, at a body weight of 205, and uh, and I placed sixth at at that one out of out of 12 that were in the field and that was sort of the first point in time where I said I I wonder what would happen if I actually started to train for this rather than just went to the gym and and went through basic programming. Uh, At that point in time there was a huge difference than what we see today. Uh, The internet was in its inception it wasn't really that well developed. There wasn't a boatload of training knowledge out there, Um, there wasn't a, a big open source of training knowledge out there trying to find even a program that your buddy didn't write uh, was, was next to impossible. I mean, um, I remember ordering one from Croatia that I got from a friend of a friend who got an address from a friend who I sent an address and a letter off out into nowhere through snail mail just to be like, I wonder if anybody will answer on the other side to try to get a hold of a program. Uh, <laughs> so trying to find solid programming was tough and trying to find uh, good information in terms of how to program and what to do was really tough and so in that there was a lot of trial and error and that's where it was really nice to get connected with somebody who was already invested in that sport and to have somebody to kind of pick their brain and be like okay how do i put something together here what do i do and that was really when things started to take off for me because i started to take training a lot more seriously i started to be able to look at things and making annual plans and from that annual plan what's going to go in it and how does it all fit together to be able to be better for next year and yeah, strongman was was the original the original piece, and uh, I got to tell you, w- what a sport!
0: Yeah, I've seen like you're a you're a regular out at is it in Cranbrook? Yeah, where you do the you're a judge out at the Cranbrook Strongman Festival over yep. here. Yeah, so
1: we are shoot I want to say we're in our seventeenth year uh, in Cranbrook. So uh, Fitness Inc. in Cranbrook and the the owner there, Trevor Zach. He, uh, he has a show that his brother originally started before he passed away, and Trevor sort of carried on since then, and myself uh, and another one of my friends who's passed away, Grant McReynolds, we got involved with that show in its second year in terms of helping organize and run and judge and create events, and it uh, it's sort of picked up a lot of speed since then. In the last couple of years, Sportsnet's been coming out to check us out. and. Uh, We've become kind of a, a premier show within Amateur Strongman and part of why I say Amateur Strongman is we've got a lot of rules that we've sort of set in place that prevents the upper tier of Strongman from coming to our show and allowing for people who are interested in getting into the sport of Strongman to experienced strongman at a very high level, high quality, uh, without the intimidation factor of Canada's best sort of showing up to, to come in and, um, our equipment is top notch, prizing is top notch. Uh, we usually hold crowds between three and 5,000 people. Um, so it's, it's become a, a really big show and an annual event for us within strongman, but one that's truly designed to feed the sport rather than be the sport.
0: That's awesome. Um, CrossFit does a similar thing, like Festivus for the rest of us kind of thing, right, where it's like, hey, the, the top fire breather guys, no, you're not allowed. This is, a, this is a place where everybody can participate without, you know, just getting their ass kicked by these top individuals. Um, so after Strongman, you, you wanted to get stronger. What was your peak, just a quick one, what was your peak weight when you were doing Strongman?
1: So peak weight, heaviest I weighed in was 265, and I was still the smallest guy.
0: Still the smallest guy Still by smallest quite guy. a bit. Uh,
1: 265. I started to get in there, but <laughs> usually, usually 275, 280 was kind of the the lower end of things. Um, all the way up to giant humans. Like I, I remember, I went to an international show in Winnipeg, and I got out of the cabin. The first individual that I saw, his name was Jean Valguier He's from Iceland, and at the time he was close to 6'8 and 400 pounds. And this is this is like my first international show, first person that I saw when I got to the hotel. And it was just like, holy smokes, who invited me?
0: <laughs> Dude, that's, yep. That's, uh, it's a little bit different than CrossFit where your average height is 5'8 and probably 180 pounds.
1: Yeah. But here's, here's some of your parallels that exist there, though. So um, even being undersized, it's not about how big you are, it's about how strong you are and it's about the numbers you can put on the board and one of the beauties of CrossFit is, is you have things from guys who are 5 foot 340 pounds who are extremely successful within CrossFit all the way up to guys who are over 200 pounds being extremely successful in CrossFit so yeah. um, there's a big piece of that that all comes back to really what are you able to put together as a package and then put out there in terms of ability to compete and in that there, there's a lot of mental sides that exist. To um, what are you willing to accept for yourself?
0: That's that's great. Yeah, that's that's totally right. Um, you just got to plug the holes, right? So plugging the holes for you was strength based. You just after strongman that, taking that year off, you were like, I can I gotta get. I gotta put some numbers up. Yeah. Um, let's let's go into that. So you took a year off from strongman to get a little bit stronger, and you said just casually. Yeah I just went and won a national championship no big deal. Um, (laughs) So what was uh, I I remember you telling me your squat number and when I tell people they don't believe me and it would uh, let's let's go into that what was your numbers um, what was the weight category you were competing with and then you were the best in Canada that year in your weight range.
1: So I competed a body weight of 250 at nationals that year. Uh, I think I was 252 is what I weighed in at. And uh, in that, I squatted 833, deadlifted 671, and benched 451, which I know in the world of CrossFit, 451 sounds like a good bench, but in the world of powerlifting, my bench super sucked.
0: <laughs> so it was your – I mean, typically squats aren't higher than pulls, are they? Uh, depends on the athlete.
1: Depends on the athlete, right? When you get into those upper numbers, then you're starting to play with the physics of biomechanics and the way a person is put together and lever lengths and, uh, and musculature and, and in all of that, you're going to see kind of a skew one way or the other. Um, I was always a better squatter. And uh, those people who've been around Southern Alberta CrossFit for a long time, there was a, a fellow, his name was Chris Fraser. And he's up at natural high in Okotoks there. But Chris used to say I could always squat better than I could deadlift because my legs were so bowed that I was more aerodynamic that way. And it just worked better. <laughs> so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know.
0: So is this, that squat, that's a geared That's a geared squat then?
1: That's a, that's a geared squat, yeah. Uh, and then that's with three judges. So at your powerlifting shows, there's three white lights, three red lights. And then each judge has a light and each judge is looking for specific things. Uh, And then in that you have to get two out of three lights. So at 8.33 I hit three whites
0: Jesus So that's I mean was that kind of a plan or was that just like a byproduct of like hey I'm training. I'm hitting these numbers Maybe I'm doing a little bit of research because the internet might be around now and it's like maybe I can go out and win this thing
1: yeah Um, part of that was in and um, I'm a big believer in programming uh, I think anybody who wants to be successful has to really, really examine what their programming is if they want to be successful. And in that, I sought somebody who knew way more than I did. So I sought a strength coach out, uh, and his name was Derek Woodski. So Derek was uh, actually the the younger brother of the person who first taught me how to train. So I learned from a fellow named Joe Woodski. Joe's brother ended up taking up, uh, he also was a, was a track and field, he's probably one of Canada's best track and field, hammer throwers and weight throwers for a really long time. But uh, Derek ended up choosing strength and conditioning as his field. Um, again, trying to find anybody who's a strength coach was really, really tough. I mean, there's a lot of Johnny-come-lately people that was like, ah, oh, I'm a strength coach. And then you get talking and you're like, ah, oh, honestly, you don't know shit right? Um, (laughs) but this was one where like, when you talk to somebody and you feel like, holy smokes, I thought I knew some things, but I really don't know anything, um, was just that smart. And so he, I, I ended up, uh, getting hooked up with him and he actually took me on pro bono as a client. And part of why he took me on, without even charging me was that i was willing to do anything and everything that he asked no matter whether i understood it didn't understand it and put hundred and hundred percent we won't say more than a hundred percent because that's not possible um, so i was willing to give him a hundred percent track everything send him everything from weights to sleep patterns to nutrition to so he could have good anecdotal data to be able to evaluate his programming um, and when i started training with derek that's when things just went through the roof. Uh, so, in in training, that would probably be the thing that pushed me from you know stronger than the average guy into way stronger than I probably should have ever genetic potentially been able to be.
0: Just based on really really quality protein or not protein Qu- quality programmer.
1: programming, um, yeah. but I mean quality programming is like a quality recipe.
0: Right? right there's a lot of pieces that go a into lot that. of
1: pieces that go into it and if you don't put everything into it absolutely perfect or put everything you have into it well then you're gonna end up with really crappy cookies if that's your recipe right so he created the recipe and then that sort of left it to me to, to execute the recipe and make sure that it was gonna work um, so that would be, that would be a, a giant piece in terms of why I was able to do the things that I was able to do. As somebody who knew more than me and knew how to manipulate the variables and, and interpret the data that I was sending them to make changes to those things, to be able to continue to pushing strength progressions, uh, was, was giant for me.
0: I think that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things that I love and like, is the, the personalized approach. right. You have people that come in and they, I want to do this particular thing. It's so, all right. Well, in, in CrossFit we follow a GPP program, right? It's going to get you better at everything, but the the it's going to take a while. Um, but if you want to hit a three hundred and fifty pound squat, you're squatting two fifty. That's a bit of a road. Um, if you just want to squat three fifty and you squat two hundred five, well, then we can talk about you know implementing some sort of personalization into that program. And I think that's that's one of the limitations of like that group that group class. But it's it's available, right? If you want to take advantage of that personal stuff, then you can. Um, and that's your training for three things you need to bench, you need to pull off the ground, and you need to squat.
1: How was it? Um, I was trained even in that because, in working with Derek, the goal was always to get stronger, do a powerlifting show so that I had a goal that was in place with deadlines that I had to be able to hit. Um, but the goal was to go back to strong mat So there was always a functional side to what it is that I was doing. Uh, there was always a conditioning side. Most of the time, when we look at a powerlifting program, we're looking at those three things for sure, where everything is just geared to bench, squat, dead, and how do I do those things? Um, because I wanted to make the transition back over, I still needed to be stronger in more than just deadlift-style pulling, but I needed to be able to flip cars over. I needed to be able to throw logs around. I needed to be able to uh, pull semi-trucks. So even at those points in time, conditioning workouts for me, uh, I had this little Ford Ranger and I used to take it to the University of Lethbridge parking lot and hook myself up to it and throw it in neutral and I'd pull that around the parking lot and that was conditioning things and so I used the lines in the parking lot as um, the markers that you know today I'm going to hit two sets of parking blocks and I'm going I'm to hit that as fast as I possibly can get that truck moving and then I'm going to walk two grids and then I'm going to try to sprint two grids and I'm going to try to hold that pace for 20 minutes. Um, So for me, my success in Strongman was all based in the conditioning side, which is where, as you asked, why did I make the transition into powerlifting was because, well, if it was a two or a three day Strongman show, I I did better and better as the days went on because I was in shape and the larger individuals, they were stronger, but they weren't in shape. So they weren't recovering very well. And I was recovered and ready for the next day of competing without feeling a whole lot of soreness or being beat up. Um, So I was able to maintain a high level the whole time, whereas they were kind of like start high and just a slow decline as they went along. Um, But in order for me to be the best, I had to look at that and say, okay, that's great that I'm in shape. But I'm just not strong enough. Right. So I had to shore up that weakness. And then that's where powerlifting came in. Because it's always easier to train for something if you have a goal beyond just like, I need to be stronger. That's a great goal. But if I need to be stronger and I need to be stronger in these three things, and I got to be stronger by exactly June 27th, well, then now there's not a whole lot of putting things off. It's like, I better get after this because I got a deadline now.
0: Yeah, then that's one of those specific things when you're talking goals, right? Um, I I personally need something to train for. I, I I have a really hard time just like going through the motions and being like, awesome, I'm doing this to stay fit. It's like, no. Typically, I like to put a couple competitions on the table and then put together like a six week plan out from those and 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 hammer at it. Um, so we went. You said uh, some injuries kind of started to come up a little bit, um, and that was in the powerlifting phase.
1: Yeah, so that was in the getting ready to transition back into strongman. So um, obviously both sports are not real gentle on the body. Um, no. So you get lots of kind of nagging things that you're always trying to take care of. And, uh, but I had, a, I had one major accident where I, I dropped a 305 14-inch log. Um, and when I dropped it, it hit me. And when it hit me, it just made a, a mess of a whole bunch of things. So I uh, tore my bicep off, uh, messed my AC joint up. And then uh, when the impact took me, I blew my ACL. Also tore my meniscus cartilage in my, in my left knee. And that was all pretty much super quick.
0: That was like one after another, or all part like of the same thing? All part of
1: one thing. So that's why I said they started to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So that was kind of the first sort of rounds of surgery. They, they put those pieces back together. Um, and, and that's somewhat where the transition into CrossFit started.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. That was, that's not a small little incident.
1: Yeah. No, it sucked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus, man. Um, yeah. Cause like you, the amount of surgeries that you've had and like the amount of little bumps and bruises, I'm just like, there's a price to pay when you start competing at a high level. Um, and I think, Everybody knows that. It doesn't matter the sports that you're in. It could be CrossFit, Strongman, it could be powerlifting, whatever it is. Once you start kind of like, hey, I'm going to go compete nationally, you're you're going to have a bump and, and a bruise. Um, so let's talk about, you said, okay, I'm going to pick CrossFit to kind of get back into this functional training, try and get my body moving a bit again after all these surgeries. Um, what was that experience like? Like, where did you go from there?
1: Uh, so I started into CrossFit and... Uh I started at the bottom, so I remember my first day of trying to do an overhead press, putting a dowel rod in my hand and using the dowel rod to just push my arm overhead. Um, and so that was that was my first press, was a dowel rod pushing my arm up.
0: Like post surgery. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, and then from there it kind of just got rolling. And and I, at the time of starting it, I didn't even realize that there was a competitive outlet to to CrossFit. It, it just was. Uh, a training system that mirrored very closely to what I was already doing in terms of my preseason preparation stuff where um, just high-intensity interval based training things the biggest difference was is the weights were were lighter than what I was used to so I mean is that like, sweet this is this is great <laughs> right um, I got a thruster 95 pounds instead of 275 pounds this is, this is awesome <laughs> so, uh, so I started into that and then uh, and then I watched uh, I watched the original the original CrossFit Games sort of documentary that came out, and uh, and that's when I when I discovered that there was there was a competitive outlet that existed within CrossFit. But uh, right from the early stages of when I first started trying it, uh, the goal was to go back to strongman. But the more I got into it, the more I felt I physically fit CrossFit better than I fit. Strong man, but the mentality, the community, the everything about it paralleled so extremely well that it felt like I was still just at home. I just changed one medium for another medium, but they were still both within the house of weightlifting.
0: Well, you're pretty lucky too because southern Alberta actually has a pretty strong root in like the early days of CrossFit, right? I mean, you've got OPEX out of Calgary and like that kind of moved down into, I, I mean I think they had one of the first regionals like in High River didn't they?
1: Uh, they had the first regional, I want to say it was was at CrossFit Calgary or it might even have been at, at James Fitzgerald's house. Oh really? Um, yeah I remember some people going up there for for that and uh, and then they had a regional at Natural High right after Natural High had first opened. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, things just kind of kept rolling. And then I think the year after that, it was up in Edmonton, at uh, at the Army barracks in Edmonton.
0: Yeah, you're pretty lucky. I mean, there's uh, for those of you that don't know, like 2007. I think it was James Fitzgerald that won the first CrossFit Games. Wasn't that the first year, 2007? And then I think uh, like Salo was in there. Kalipo came down the road, but um, I think,
1: yeah, I think Kalipo was year two.
0: Was he year two? I think and then Salo so, came out. He wasn't
1: even regist- like he wasn't even on the radar. Uh, like, That's
0: right. Um, they didn't even catch him winning on camera because they weren't expecting him right. to. Because he came back from so far down to <laughs> win that last workout over some of these guys, and everyone was shocked when he won. But, I mean, yeah, there's a strong like Southern Alberta connection to um, like Brett Marshall. He's one of the OGs to CrossFit Calgary, and like mm-hmm. the Fitzgeralds, and then. Uh, so what, what, what did the, com- like the competitive avenue look like for you? Like where, where did you kind of take that? How did you train for that? Um, and then what was some of the, the goods and bads that came out of it?
1: So I did, uh, I did a local, just a local one. Uh, that our crossfit put on just to sort of see like how how would that go how would my body feel um is this something that is logical for me to be investigating going into or should i be a grown up and and not compete in things anymore like that and uh (laughs) um and it went quite well i I felt really really good um the the fellow that i lost to in our local show actually ended up being the representative who went out of the first regional at Natural High to the games. So who was that? Um, Eric Sikali Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I felt pretty good about that, uh, but for me, it kind of was one of those like once that injury bug happened, even though I was rehabbing and doing everything that everybody told me to do in terms of physiotherapists, in terms of surgeons, in terms of doctors, uh, I just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Um so I remember getting ready for the regional in Edmonton and uh three weeks out I was doing a deadlift burpee workout and uh had a weight vest on and I came in from a burpee and just just hurt. Yeah. Right. So my knee blew up again and um so that was another another couple surgeries on that knee, and so I got that rehabbed and said, okay, well, I think I'm ready to to tackle this again. So that was when the Open first went online, where we were doing them out of uh, out of affiliates, and so getting ready to to do to do that, and I ended up I tore the origin of my hamstring, uh, and so that probably was due to ship mobility, um, but uh, but in the end, it happened. So. Um, so I did the open that year with a, with a torn hamstring and just kind of duct tape and coat hangered it together to make it through. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever had a healthy, a healthy season. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and you're, you're treating this as, a lot of people are like, Oh my God, CrossFit's horrible. And, you know, injuries and injuries. But, um, I think a lot of people have to remember, it's like you're in the competitive world well to some degree.
1: I think what, what people have to keep in mind when they make those types of statements is you have to look at the individual and, and how are they approaching things. So for right or wrong, um, one of my, my taglines or quotes that I share with people is, to know the red line, you got to find the red line. Right. And, and what that means is, is you have to redline your body to the point where it wants to shut down. And that's the only way you're going to discover where it is that the limit is. And then if you're going to be successful in the sport of CrossFit, not in the avenue of training at CrossFit, right. but the actual sport of it, you have to get really comfortable at sitting on the line of, I may get injured if I push through one more rep, but i got to push through one more rep to see, can I push through one more? Right. And that's where, where things get a little bit dicey. And for me, I think my injuries within CrossFit – For those people who are new to CrossFit listening to this, all of the injury problems I had were based on the fact that I came from a background of always running at the red line and never not being at the red line. Like, training days are red line. Competition days are red line plus. Right. Um, So to get injured, that kind of comes part and parcel with the fact that if you you dance on that line for long enough – Eventually, you're going to tip over. Right. Right. So, those people who are the most successful in, in all sports are those that managed to walk the red line but never got injured. Matt Fraser walks the red line every single time he goes out to training. He's just never been hurt, so he never loses any ground on anybody else because he's able to train at that full capacity every single time and stay healthy while he's doing it. The moment you get injured, that guy who's still dancing on the red line, well, they're pulling ahead further and further while you're just trying to rehab and get back to where you were.
0: Yeah, and and even he talked about that. He did a podcast a while ago, and he was talking about um, he's been super fortunate. Um, He's had, like, one little hiccup injury where I think he missed the Rogue Invitational last year, and that's it. And then he just even said, he's like, I'm just kind of waiting for, you know, because he broke his back in training for weightlifting. He's like, I'm just kind of waiting to break my back again, and then that'll kind of be the end of it. But he kind of, you know, he's at peace with like, you know, he's made peace with like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do this until I either finish on top or I get injured, and that'll be the way I go out, right? Um, but that's the, that just highlights the difference between like the sport. Um, the sport and then the fitness methodology of it right there's a there's a massive there's a massive gap there and I think that's where people people want to play in the sport though and that's that's part of the problem
1: yeah I think I think definitely that's part of the problem and I think it's also part of the problem that when you look at CrossFit out there um, the image that's portrayed is the upper echelon is like the one percent
0: yeah the one percent um, of the one percent absolutely yeah
1: and I mean they try to do a good job of putting out there, from a from a uh, corporation standpoint, that this isn't what we are. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the image, right? That's that's what yeah. people connect with. And in that, it's it's too bad because the bulk of CrossFit and the backbone of CrossFit and what CrossFit really truly is all about is the 99.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Right? It's. It's the it's the guy that goes and works eight hours at his desk job and then comes in here and blows off some steam.
1: Absolutely. So, like, you and I have had conversations about, like, you know, what's what sort of the biggest mistakes that people make as they come into CrossFit as, as brand new people. And I think the biggest mistake they make is coming in thinking that they're going to pick up at a sport level. Um, You need to just take your time and come in and and learn to move and embrace the community and the environment and through that embrace the learning that's going to take place, whether that's learning through coaches or learning through open source or learning through just the person who's on the cage beside you. Um, There's a lot of things there that you can take in and from that make a basis of do I want to take this in as an athletic endeavor or do I want to have this as just my fitness medium.
0: Yeah, like yeah, we've talked about the mistakes made for sure, and, and I've made almost every single one of them when I came in.
1: Yeah, I think we all did.
0: Everybody, you know, they saw regionals as like an attainable thing, and like even for me, I was like, oh yeah, you know, the gains are coming quick. And I talked about this with my brother. I was like, oh yeah, the gains are happening. I'm going to make regionals. and We're going to the games. And then I started training with uh, I started training with Joey. Now was, and training with Joey would have been fine. But the problem was, is I was trying to keep up to him and some of the loading that we were using and some of, like, a lot of the things, and I had no business, absolutely no business. And then the body, I'm a little bit older too, and then the body's just like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. let's put the brakes on here a little bit. Stay in your fucking lane. (laughs) And, you know, don't try and keep up with, you know, somebody that's been at a high level for a long, long time and he knows what the hell he's doing. Um, Yeah, one of the things that you say and I've heard you say it quite a bit, is like people have to enjoy the process or learn to love the process of training. And that's one of those things that I think is hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. They want this instant gratification, right? And as society, that's kind of what we've... That's kind of like what we, we're geared towards now, right? We want that like on Instagram. We want that little dopamine hit. Um, what do you mean when you say enjoy the process?
1: What? Well, I think enjoying the process is, is about taking, taking some time to look around and see what you're actually surrounded by um, and, and the energy that comes with a lot of those things. But enjoying the process is, is about getting from where you are to where you want to go. And in that, when you're, when you're moving towards something, when it comes to weightlifting or training, um, and I think a lot of times even in life, The moment you get and achieve the goal you set is a validation moment. But in that moment, you immediately start looking for what is the next goal. So if we parallel it into like a weightlifting goal. So let's say, you know what, I I wanted to squat 350 for a really long time and I finally hit that. The moment you squatted 350, put the bar back, you thought to yourself, yeah. And in the very next breath, you thought 360 is just on the horizon. I think I'm gonna go to 360. And if it was all just about the goals, And hitting those goals that I think we lose our way I think a person has to learn to love what it is that they're doing and the relationships that they make in those things and the small successes and the growths and and just enjoying the fact that they're able to do something like the process is the huge piece that will have the stick eventually goals will dry up
0: I love that dude that's that's deep that's really deep so one of the things that stuck with me too is like when Matt Fraser when Catrin Davids are when they won the games it was it was like a minute of crazy happiness and then it was over and they spent their entire year for that one minute of crazy happiness and it's like yeah they can't be doing it for the goal man because the goal is only going to lead you to just a little bit of happiness in for a minute
1: well and I can I guarantee you that the moment that was over and they had that happiness and they walked off the stage is the same moment they started thinking about all of the things that they were not as good at and how do i fix those things that's what i mean about it's a validation moment it is nothing like that feeling of i hit my goal whether that goal is podium finish or whether that goal is just i dropped five pounds that i couldn't drop for i don't know how long i tried But in it, if you don't learn to love the process, those goals are only gonna keep you hanging on for so long. And I think the big thing is when we look at CrossFit and when we look at CrossFit Framework and what we're trying to put out there to people in the community, it's the process side more than the product side. Because if we invest and love the process, the product will continue to happen all on its own. You'll get stronger, you'll get fitter, you'll lose weight, you'll become healthier, you'll make friends, you'll belong somewhere. All of those things are processed things. The product is just what comes out the other side by being invested in those processes. And that happens from the bottom all the way to the top to the highest-end athletes. Um, and, and I can use even myself for an example. Like... The moment my national qualifiers and nationals and everything is over, I'm already evaluating what it is I have to shore up. Like earlier in the podcast here, you asked me, well, you know, what were my numbers? And right away I said, well, my bench press sucked.
0: Right. Right. That's what you focus on.
1: Well, right away, as soon as I was done, like I just hit the most I've ever bench pressed in my life. And the moment I sat up, I said, man, I sucked. The guy like three weight categories down below me is 200 pounds above my bench. Like (laughs) I got to fix this. Right. Right. So, rather than sitting there and being like, "Yeah, like this is the greatest moment, like it just hit this weight," it was like, "Sweet, I got it. What do I gonna do now?"
0: Right. Let's go back to the drawing Absolutely. board and let's, yeah. Like I've heard you talk about that a lot, like a lot, and like you've done some programming for, I think it was Jr. and stuff, and like, yeah, he was having some moments in here. He came in and after he was doing a testing phase, I think, and he, it just wasn't a good day for him. Right. He loses his mind, and I'm like dude i'm like relax i'm like did you have fun training in the last you know three four months so like, yeah i love training i'm like awesome guess what you're going to continue to get stronger if you carry on and continue to do the things and then he came back in a day later two days later retested and it was just an off day you have those days just an off day just an off day um one of the we'll finish this up in a few minutes here but um one of the last things I wanted to talk about, and we've got, like, we're going to have you on repeatedly because I love these conversations. I think they offer a ton of value to the people listening. But um, you sent me a text the other day. <laughs> You've been saying it to me in training quite a bit lately. And it's like, you know, I've got 315 on the bar or whatever. And I'm, like, looking at it. And I'm not a very strong guy. And you're just like, just decide to lift it. Just decide. And I think that's, that's pretty powerful. And, and the mindset avenue that... Um, a lot of people in here need to take is like deciding to do difficult things, right? Um, if you go into a lift and you're at all hesitant mentally, you've already missed it. Um, so, you know, obviously you've competed where it's like, hey, I have three chances to lift this, lift this weight, to bench this weight, or to squat this weight, or to pull this weight off. What are some of the things you tell yourself, and how? What do you mean by like I just decided to like? What's what's the mindset game plan going into that?
1: Well, I think what I mean by I just decided to do it is if you are questioning a weight on the bar, if you're thinking about it, it's already got a hold of you, and dominantly you've already failed. You don't have business under that bar if you're thinking about the potential that that's not going to go, right? So the I'll try, yeah, try's failed, right? Yep. I have to decide to do it. And in that, there's a lot of power that exists in decide. Um, When we approach things from a success mind standpoint, of I can versus I will try, and we decide we can do things, then there's no subconscious hesitations. Uh, So in that, Part of why we have to decide those things and why i always say that is if we're also worried about can i or can't i i'm thinking about all of the other factors of a lift am i getting deep enough am i moving fast enough am i under control still is the bar in the groove is it and now i'm not free so what i need to do is say i've put in all of the time that i needed to put in to move with correct mechanics consistently do it that i can play with the intensity quotient and in the ability to do those things then i need to make a decision that this will go and that's why it's on the bar i've done everything up until this point and there's no reason that it shouldn't go so i have to put everything i have into deciding this will go this is i can do this Um, and in that i think if people take that mindset of i will do this as long as they have those other pieces in place where they built the consistency and mechanics, where the movement is solid, then they'll be surprised at what they can do, right? It's a huge, huge thing.
0: Yeah, like just freeing up some wavelength um, and just not over-complicating it, right? You...
1: Absolutely not over it. And um, I have all sorts of soapbox philosophical rants that I go on all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and part of it is, is because I, I love what I do right? And, and I love weightlifting. But in that, weightlifting and when you're at the edge of like, what can I do? And that doesn't matter if that's, you know what, your max squat's going to be 100 pounds and that's going to be a PR for you. Your max squat's going to be 900 pounds and that's a PR for you. The mentality is still the same. The effort is still the same in terms of that person who is only doing 100 pounds is at their capacity. They got put everything they got into that to hit that 100. Right. Right. That person who's at nine hundred, yeah, it's heavier, but they gotta put everything they got into it the same as the hundred pounder to be able to get it. And I think we need to sometimes re gear ourselves into thinking that way when we make those decisions to make make weight move and do it so do so safely, right? We don't just throw caution to the wind and be like, Okay, I decided today I can hit four hundred and I'd never squatted a whiff above two fifty, I mean you're gonna get crushed.
0: Yeah, it's not that's a bad day. Right.
1: But that soapbox rant. And, and this is kind of the beauty of movement and why you make decisions to do these things is you can turn the entire world off so that nothing exists in that moment, except for you and the weight. And you can exist in the void of movement where you don't have to think about anything. You just, you just strap on and, and away you go.
0: Yeah, that's, it's, it's crazy powerful. And, and once people figure that out or partially figure it out, um, that's when i see like the big shift changes with people it's like once they can dial in the mental aspect and be like all right this shit's gonna go up today um i'm pulling this off the floor i'm squatting this today i've decided that i'm gonna do it then that's when it's like all right barrier broken through and now we can now we can start training now we can start getting going um yeah well we're gonna dig into a whole bunch of other topics man on a, we got to keep this under like 50 minutes but um, <laughs> we're, we're gonna dive into uh, you know where the future is for the kids and and why it's uh, you know why it's important to teach weightlifting to our youth and you know the active play side of things I want to talk about programming um, because you maybe have your you know maybe know a thing or two in the regards of programming but um thanks for coming on man and then uh yeah we're gonna do this again
1: absolutely thanks for having me you bet